What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you are with me here on this Thursday night. Still to come on the show, we'll hear from Sal Palantonio, who covers the NFL like a blanket for ESPN. He's got his thoughts on some of the storylines around the NFL. Also, we'll have Tales from the Hood. Uh, big story, big story that we got to get to for Tales from the Hood that you're really going to like. But at 8 o'clock every night at this time, we give you something football. You know why? Because it's the summer of football. The summer of football. All you can ask for is another opportunity to play this game. It burns in me. On ESPN 1000. We don't know how many we got. I don't know how many I got. Make it count, boys. Mahomes. Flushed out again. Turning the corner. Fires downfield. Caught. Touchdown. Only Mahomes. You throw the score. You run to win. Here's Saquon Buckley. The summer of football at eight. Here's a quick throw to Miller. Good throw. Touchdown. Fake to Armstrong. Run. Book five. Book up to the end zone. Touchdown. has got time. Launching for the end zone. Jump ball. Touchdown. Terrence Marshall. The summer of football with Jonathan Hood. Yeah. That's my dog. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Indeed, it is the summer of football right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Every night we give you something football, something NFL, something college, something fantasy. Tonight we talk to the great Dan Jiggett, former Chicago Bear, is with us here on ESPN 1000 as the NFL season scheduled to be right around the corner. Dan, as always, I appreciate your time. It's always good to talk to you, Johnson. I thought we were going to talk. A little music when I heard uh, uh, Layla with a slow hand. <laughs> I know. I, know. I, you know. I love listening to a little Eric Clapton. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that from time to time, right? Especially That's on a summer it. night. <laughs> uh, I want to find out how you're feeling, man. How's everything going with you? I'm going, yeah, it's doing good. You know, obviously, this whole situation with, uh, you know, being quarantined, uh, set back my workouts and everything a little bit. But, uh, you know, I got back to it. I started this week. Uh, back again with uh, my guys at GH Fit Lab, and so they got me squared away and got me back on, on the beam. But it's been it's made such a difference in my life, Jonathan. You know, I thought I was falling apart. You know, double hip replacements and all kinds of great things, and mm-hmm. these guys have got me back to the point where I can actually stand up and walk around again. So it's all good. So it's it's you and who else is is part of that? Oh, there's like 15 guys, uh, former players and and coaches that. Uh, uh, Greg Heif is working with, uh, you know, Keith Van Horn is usually in there with me, and uh, Otis Wilson's a part of it, and uh, Mark uh, Dennis is a, a local guy who actually plays for the Dolphins. He's there, Schaefer Suggs. A bunch of different guys are coming in and, and, and really taking advantage of this opportunity. Because, you know, when you retire, and especially as the years go on, uh, you know, the, the injuries that you, uh, you know, you uh, collected over the course of, of a career start to really get to you and you get over 50 or 55 that's when you really start feeling it so that was at the point that i was at so fortunately enough these guys came along and and gave me an opportunity keith was the guy that turned me on to them and uh voice has been great since then you know 
That's great. That's great to hear. Uh, Dan Jiggets with us here on the Summer Football with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I always like to get you your perspective as a player's rep because I would just wonder what a young, a younger Dan Jiggets would say now in 2020 when you have the season that's supposed to happen, but of course with COVID-19, there's so many question marks, Dan. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're a player rep, aren't you aren't you going to the league and asking, like, so So, what's your plan? <laughs> because I haven't yeah. seen, I mean, there's a bubble in the NBA and in WNBA that, you know, baseball's trying to come back. But for the NFL, I mean, right now we should be talking about training camps, and yeah. we don't have them for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, I, I think that the, the first thing that the, uh... You know, if we talk about the game plans and what you know what they got in store, uh, I would think the first and the first and foremost is how are you going to make sure that you know people are protected. And when you're talking about football, you know, you're talking about you know seventy some guys, you know, maybe eighty some guys coming into a training camp situation. That's a whole lot of variables, and and how do you control where they go? You know, once practice and meetings are over and that kind of thing. And because you know, let's face it, you know, if you are out and about after all of that, uh, it adds to the complications in terms of, you know, whether or not you, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where, uh, you can contract the virus. So it's, it's, it's a very tough spot that they're in right now. And I don't know how, uh, you can address it, you know, in a reasonable way, uh, without, you know, understanding that the, the locations that where you have players, you have to have a, at least a, a situation where, you know, things are getting better instead of worse. Uh, fortunately, here in Illinois, it looks like, you know, we were ratcheting down for a bit. Now, I know we just had a little uptick, uh, but, you know, you want to see the numbers look right before, you know, you bring people into uh, a situation where they could get very sick. And, and some, you know, there's a huge possibility that somebody might get really, really sick and not come back from it. So you have to think about that. The other thing is, is that, you know, with fans and how, uh, whether or not they're going to have an opportunity to, to see the game live, I don't think that that's going to happen, to be honest with you, Jonathan. Uh, you know, football's become a studio game anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for the players, the fans in the stands, yeah, that's a huge uh, advantage if, you know, the home team. And you may not have to be able to have that for a while. So those are the things they're looking at. For them, fortunately, and, you know, yeah, they make a lot of money in ticket sales, but the, the most of their money, the majority of their money now still comes from television contracts. So from a financial standpoint, they'll still be, you know, fairly solvent. Dan Jiggins with me, Jonathan Hood, on the Summer of Football on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. As you've been seeing, Dan, across the sports landscape, there are some players in sports that feel like they're just not going to play. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some of it is for family reasons. Some is because uh, of you know they are diabetic or they feel like you know they've gone through cancer whatever it is right. some players are opting out and i'm glad that that is an option and there's no peer pressure yeah because uh, i mean you know if you have a pre-existing condition that yeah. makes you susceptible to this disease i mean that, it just makes sense it doesn't make any any difference how much money you're making if you're not there to spend it uh so it's uh, you know that's not even you know if if i were in that situation i, I wouldn't even be thinking twice about that you have to think about your health and the welfare of yourself not only yourself but your family as well so that's the most important thing the tough thing for football players is you don't have the window that a lot of other you know sports uh athletes do uh you know the career on average in the nfl is still about three and a half to four years in major league baseball and basketball and hockey and all the rest of them i'm sure are, are longer than that uh so you know that's also got to be a part of the uh, equation as well would you play dan if i were you know if i were 100 percent healthy yes 
but if you know if I had some kind of underlying condition, I wouldn't want to be around it. Not at all. Here's why I asked the question is because you playing, you're not going. You know, once you're done with practice and once you're done with the game, you're coming home. You're not going right. to be in a bubble with guys, and so the last thing you want to do is bring that home. That's why I exactly. asked the question. Yeah, you know, the other thing is, you know, yeah, do you have a family that you have to be concerned about? You know, if you have young kids or whatever. Uh, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint, like when I came into the league, obviously, a single guy, you know, you walk in and, you know, you're not going home to, you know, three or four kids and all the rest of that. Yeah, that makes a big difference. And that's why I see even the Major League Baseball guys talking about, you know, hey, look, you know, I've got this going on at home, at home with that going on. I have a child that's, you know, going through some kind of an issue. I've got to think about those kinds of things, too. And that makes that, – that's a totally different, you know, equation rather than – you know, just a bachelor going back to his his place and, and chilling out. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I ain't worried about it. I'm yeah. good. I'm back you at got, the crib. You have, you have some responsibilities, then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, um, you make a salient point when you talk about fans. It's it's so funny. I was talking about this last night with college. Mm-hmm. It is just so strange. You, you know, you you ask some, you ask a college coach his thoughts on COVID nineteen and something outside of X's and O's, and it comes across a little clunky, it's a, little, yeah. a little odd. Um, but this is a big storyline for both college and pro football. Like the like the ACC, the Big Twelve, and the SEC are holding out. They're going to wait until what? While the Big uh, Ten and the Pac twelve said we'll just play conference games, and that's a big question for the NFL too. Are you going to bring? Are you going to let players zigzag across this country with the same schedule with COVID nineteen happening? That's again a big question. Well, you know, uh, again, how much can you control the environment? Uh, you know, you're packing everybody on the plane and going to it. Now people are, you know, back to flying around, not in the numbers, obviously, that they they used to. Uh, but, you know, if you can control the environment, that's a, that's a little bit different than just going and jumping on a commercial flight somewhere, you know, and, and plopping yourself down amongst uh, hundreds of other people from who knows where. Uh, so you do have some control over that. But you know, still in all, you know, the game itself is a game where, you know, they talk about wearing masks, and I suggest everyone wear a mask because this is no joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, in football, you can't do that, obviously, uh, while you're playing. And, there's a, you know, everybody's in everyone else's face, and, and that's a tough thing. You know, so how do you measure that and, and try to figure out some way to, to mitigate any kind of, you know, possible transfer or whatever? So they're, they're, they've got a ton of things that I'm sure that they're weighing all of these issues. But, you know, in the end, too, the, the players have to make their decisions. And, and I, would, I would suggest to them that they take all, you know, all the, the different uh, items into account. Because, you know, the last thing you want to see is uh, some, somebody getting really damaged by this stuff. Because the other the problem, number one, you see the, what the virus does to you uh, straight off the bat. But, you know, there's still uh, no real indication of what it's going to do long term. And so it's not just about, like, you know, somebody saying, that, well, I'm going to get over it like I do the flu. We just don't know at this point, you know, what the ongoing damage could be. So there's a lot to consider, you know, when you're looking at this thing. It's not just oh, boy, you don't want to play, you know, or, uh, you know, you don't have, you know, the guts to go out and, and, and challenge this thing. It's not that simple. Uh, I saw that uh, I saw the, the helmet companies, the Rydell, mm-hmm. is, tr- is trying to come up with a helmet with that is the the uh, the eye guard and also a mouth guard to make sure that uh, saliva is not being um, uh, transferred. And I just think that's ridiculous. Like, it, it's like, you know that you have to touch. It's a physical sport. Right. 
and, and I know everyone's not going to be comfortable. Usually you get that shield when someone's been poking the eye, and mm-hmm. that's a protection thing, but people can get claustrophobic in that thing. I don't yeah, think that's yeah, going to work for all players. You throw all that crap anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then to put a, you know, a face mask on it, I mean a face shield on that too, yeah. that'd be a little tough. Because yeah. i tell you one thing, they have to hope that they play every game when it's cold, because if you get heated up inside of a helmet, and that thing weighs about, what, five pounds? Mm-hmm. And you have to put that on. On top of that, you got to put a mask on with the you know the, the the face guard and the shield and everything else. Man, you better be you better be in great shape when you get to camp. <laughs> That's crazy. So so uh, you know even as we wait to find out what the NFL season will be, the storylines are still the same, Dan. When it comes to Trubisky and Foles, mm-hmm. I've maintained. That Trubisky, you know, we've been through this for years, and you've been through this for years as a player yourself. Just the quarterback controversy: who's going to win out in the in the end? It's Trubisky's job. I think it's, it's Trubisky's job to lose. I believe because if yeah. Trub- if, if Foles starts and Trubisky is the backup, you'll lose Trubisky for the year. I don't think he's ready to be a backup yet. Well, it's not going to make any difference whether he's ready for it or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that ball's no longer in his court. When they signed when they signed Nick Foles, that was a real indication. It should have been a real indication to to Mitch that it better happen early, or it's not going to happen at all for him this season. Because if, if Foles is the starting quarterback on week one or week two, as I was thinking, it's over. It's mm-hmm. done. Because see, Mitch is kind of in a, a strange position because he would be too expensive to have as a backup, uh, based on you know what his numbers would be uh, next year. So. This is it. I mean, he's got, you know, training camp, and if it doesn't happen for him then, they're going to have to make their move. And, and I suppose that it's not only just, you know, whether or not you look good in, in training camp, that kind of thing, but it's, it's how does Foles look. If he looks like he's the guy that can come in, tap into this thing, and, and make it work, then I think, you know, Mitch has got, you know, a long road ahead of him. you start Foles, wouldn't you? I, you know, at this point, after you know what I've watched over the last couple of years, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, <laughs> yes, it's, it's that time, yeah. you know, and and look, yeah, you know, Mitch has some qualities that I really like, but the circumstances are working against him. You know, he's the number two pick overall, and the two uh, quarterbacks of note that would pick behind him have had great seasons. You know, back to back, one wins a, a, a Super Bowl and, and is the MVP of the Super Bowl, and the other one, Deshaun Watson, has been playing lights out football so yeah i mean it's you know the, the heat is on and i don't know if he's got the air conditioner uh alan robinson was criticized well i don't say criticized because i think that's an overstep i would say that ladanian tomlinson on nfl network was saying that he believed that alan robinson could be better as a wide receiver now i don't i don't disagree with that because i think we all can get better but <laughs> i i would say to El, you know ladanian tomlinson that Robinson cannot throw himself passes. Yeah, he can't throw it and catch it. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so far, it's not physically possible. Although every now and then the quarterback does that because it ricocheted off somebody. But as a general rule, yeah, wide receivers can't throw the ball and catch it. And and, and I think that you know, in reality, when you look at what Allen Robinson's been able to do here, as as far as the situation that he found himself in, I think it's been phenomenal. Uh, you know, they've they've got to, they've been waiting on some other guys to you know to kind of come along and step up a little bit, but. He's been put in isolation, and the lack of a, you know, a tight end threat over the last season or two has really added to the the complexity of, you know, driving up numbers for Allen Robinson because he's the, he's the guy, uh, you know. At least Miller, if he can stay healthy, will be a, you know a, 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 a nice number two, and if they can get the tight end situation squared away and get somebody productive on that side, and then 
The other thing is you have to have somebody coming out of the backfield catching the ball as well. Because if, if Allen Robinson is the only go-to guy, mm-hmm. then you've got a problem. Dan, I just wanted to catch up with you and get your thoughts uh, because we're supposed to have a season here and the storylines are the same, but it's just different with this COVID-19, man. I just don't know how this works. I hope I, the yeah, players players going to come to the forefront tough. and it, talk it really about is. this. And, and, you know, and, and, and the time's working against, uh, you know, starting training camp mm-hmm. uh, on time uh, just because of the situation. And, you know, look, you, I think each and every one of us has to take a certain amount of responsibility and uh, in, in whether or not we can knock this thing down. The one thing that you hear all of the medical experts say to you is the, the least you can do, uh, which would be a great help, is wear a mask when you go out in public. And for whatever reason, you know, we, uh, I don't know, we've gotten so spoiled with everything. You know, everything's been so, you know, all good that we refuse to do the small things that can make a big difference in getting kids back in school, which is what I'm really concerned about. Uh, is getting kids back in school on time, and whether or not that's a you know the possibility because of what's going on in all these locations around the country, and then you know things like you know yeah it would be great to get sports back and, and get everybody in this, you know in uh, watching and maybe every now and then if you get you know things work out right you get some people back in the seats in the stadium, but but look you know it's it's all, all of our responsibility to do what we can do uh, to be you know of a positive influence in this thing. As always, Dan, I appreciate your time. I got to talk about the Redskins now in our next segment. Who? The old Redskins. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, you know, and, 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 and God bless them, they, they got the right guy to handle that situation in Ron Rivera. Yes. Yeah. He, he's, he's, that's perfect. You know, he's, Ron is one of those guys that can figure out how to, to you know, address this thing and, and, and get, you know, the whole conversation back on what's going on on the field. Uh, I, but it was an important move, I think, that they made to get rid of that name. I had Doc Walker on last week. He's he's he's, he's taking jabs at you, Dan. I tell well, him I said, be careful. I still owe him about maybe thirty bucks. <laughs> Did he tell you the story about no. why I owe him thirty bucks? No. Why do you owe him thirty bucks? He's still bitter, by the way. He's well, about that thirty bucks. Well, we were down there. We were heading through Muscle Shoals, Alabama, going down to do a division. Uh, it was a division three championship game at uh, North Alabama, and he was driving. He got stopped by Boss Hog, <laughs> and Boss Hog. <laughs> Gave him a speeding ticket. <laughs> the guy gets out, he has the mirrored sunglasses on, the big hat and everything. Mm-hmm. And I told Doc, I said, show him your Super Bowl ring. You know, so he flashes his Super Bowl ring. It didn't make any difference to Boss Hog. He still tapped him for 65 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> He's still I, mad about it. <laughs> I, I told him I'd split it with him. <laughs> he wants to. Doc, I give him another dollar. <laughs> he still wants his money, Dan. He I still wants right. his money. <laughs> I appreciate it, my friend. Right, Thanks God. so much. All right, take care, man. It is uh, Dan Jiggins, former Bear, with us here. Uh, coming up, we will talk about the Washington football team. Oh, some big news out of the Washington newspapers. Uh, it's not pretty. We talk about it next right here on UTH. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. We've got Tales from the Hood coming up at 835 right here on ESPN 1000. Also, we're going to hear from Sal Palantonio in our next half hour as well about some of the storylines around the NFL. Eric, I know you're watching this White Sox intra-squad game like I am while we do the show. Let me tell you something. Big Cat 
I mean, um, Rodon is really pissed off right now. He's he's gotten taken deep twice by Encarnacion and once by Anderson in the last two innings. Not I mean, happy. He, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's cool that we're watching this, but I also feel like are we supposed to be watching this? Because there's some hurt feelings right now. Rodon is not happy right now. He's he's not happy because he's being squeezed by this. I don't know who, what the umpire is. I don't know who that guy is. But he, he's not happy he's getting squeezed, and he's also not happy that he's been taken deep a couple times here. So, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that's supposed to be a dust-up, like I'm getting getting back, getting used to things. And thing is, it's on TV, and people are watching because <laughs> there's nothing else. I will he, say the previous oof. inning, Dylan C's had a ridiculous curveball to end the inning. Bugs Bunny curveball. I yes. saw that. Oh. I want to say something about it, but we're interviewing Dan Jiggett, so I could do it at the same time. It's crazy, man. So we've been waiting for this story. As part of our uh, summer football, we will continue here with this story regarding the Washington football team. It does not have a nickname just as of yet. So this came across from ESPN, uh, and it's also part of a larger piece in the Washington Post, which I'll we'll get a chance to really peruse and review Um later on, but Washington's NFL team has decided D.C. attorney Beth Wilkinson of the Wilkinson Wash LLP to review the organization's protocols, um, including its culture, policies, and allegations of workplace misconduct. Wilkinson has represented the NFL in a lawsuit challenging the league's Sunday ticket package and also successfully uh, represented the NCAA and Major League Baseball in class action lawsuits. So here's a story from the Washington Post. And we heard about this a night ago or two nights ago. There was going to be some bombshell. And here it is. Um, The move was made while speculation swirled around an upcoming story by the Washington Post, which was published late today. Uh, The story involves allegations of 15 former employees, all women, of sexual harassment by former scouts and members of Dan Snyder's inner circle. Now, here's what we know. That the allegations are not against Dan Snyder, the owner for the Washington team, or... Uh, the general manager of the team. It's uh, but we do know within the past week, front office members like Richard Mann the third, Alex Santos, as well as play-by-play man Larry Michael, they left the organization. Now I saw that on Twitter that Larry Michael, and I've heard that name for twenty years working with Westwood One and the voice of the Redskins, uh, former Redskins. Um, I, I saw that on Twitter that he resigned. I'm like, oh, that's odd. It's July. Why is he uh, leaving a play-by-play gig with Washington? Well, they all three were accused of misconduct in the Washington Post story. It's all been reported that three minority shareholders are seeking their to sell their interest in the team as well. The minority shareholders have hired the investment bank Moig and Company to vet buyers. So some of the minority shareholders also want out of this. It's a mess. It's a mess. And... It all stems from Dan Snyder. It starts with him not wanting to change the name. And then you have this issue. 15 former employees of the Red, of the former Redskins team, Washington's football team, all women, of sexual harassment, all talking about this from former scouts and members of Dan Snyder's inner, inner circle. That is just a mess. If you're Ron Rivera, the head coach for Washington's team, you have to be thinking to yourself, like, what did I get myself into? Now, it's one thing that Ron is next to Snyder in trying to retire the old Redskins logo and name, and they want to do something else, have a new name. But also on top of that, Eric, can you tell me earlier, I saw this story earlier about this one guy 
that has all of the names that the Washington football team would want. This guy, as, as a hobby, this came from John Kime from ESPN.com, a guy who covers Washington. It started as a joke, but uh, uh, this guy, six years later, has turned in a, a trademark uh, you know, a collection into a hobby. This is crazy. This guy, is it Macaulay? Martin Macaulay. Uh, has filed for 44 different trademark applications of names Washington could use. His latest filing was July 8th. The Washington Red Wolves, well, that'd be awful, um, joins a list of the Red Tails, the Monuments, the Washington Veterans, the Red-Tailed Hawks, the Washington Americans, the Washington Braves, Washington Redskins, or I'm sorry, Washington Renegades. There's also the Freedom Fighters and the Radskins. The Radskins. I clearly this what? guy has to hate like Dan Snyder or the Washington football. Like he's got to have some sort of vitriol to like apply for all these, knowing that these were the ones that were being floated around. And he applied for them, like you said, this month. So I don't know what he's trying to do and why he's blocking it, but he's holding up the whole process on them coming up with a new mascot. He also owns Washington Pigskins. I heard that one floated around, too. <laughs> yeah. So all the names you heard rumored, this guy decided to apply trademarks for. It costs two seventy five a piece, by the way, the application to do this. He's a 61-year-old actuary who's also written books on real estate. He lives in Alexandria, Virginia. He's a fan of the Washington team, uh, but he says that the money he saves from not attending games, he spent on trademarks. <laughs> Like, what? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't get that at all. <laughs> it, it's sticking it to the organization. I hate my team so much. I know you're going to change the name one day, so I'm going to take up all the names that you're thinking of. And so now, instead of me paying for season tickets to go to Landover, Maryland to see these games, I'm going to put it on, uh, you know, on these trademarks. Two seventy-five a piece. So it's That's kind hard. of the better version of raising money for a billboard. Like you're just completely pulling the rug out from underneath these guys. Two seventy five times forty four. Twelve hundred dollars. Twelve thousand one hundred dollars. Twelve thousand one hundred dollars. I mean, the money's going to burn a hole in your pocket if you don't spend it. So <laughs> well, might as well buy forty four <laughs> trademarks. I mean, bro, he's sixty one. He's an actuary, and he enjoys. Applying for trademarks as a hobby, not collecting stamps or, or a anything nice like rock the, collection, <laughs> seashells yeah. at the seashore. <laughs> yeah. No, he just wants to stick it to Daniel Snyder. <laughs> and you know, Snyder's coming to him hat in hand. I'm like, can can I get um, you know, looking at the can I get Red Wolves? Can I get you know? I don't think the Braves would work actually. No, that um, one. Yeah, I'm surprised he even wasted his money on that. <laughs> but just in change case, it though. from Redskins to Braves and call it a win. Like that's what their change would. I wonder does he own Washington Football Club? Ooh, I, I, I want, see. I want to say that I think that has also been taken. <laughs> That's interesting. I really have no idea. That's such a weird thing to collect to stick it to someone. But hey, Daniel Snyder deserves everything stuck to him. In many cases, the fans who submitted for trademarks let the application die because they had no intent on doing anything commercially with the name. But Macaulay, he took it one step further, buying 100 pigskin coffee mugs and putting them up for sale online to meet a requirement that helped uh, get the name registered. He said that the NFL's trademark attorney sent him a letter saying that they would allow the name. 
Like, unbelievable. So he's spending money, like, even more money to make sure that, that Washington doesn't get their mascots. I want to know his motivation behind it, really. We haven't done Petty Junction for a while because we, oh we, we, we dropped some of our bits during COVID-19. But this that he is King Petty. He's asked to be in the team photo of the pettiest man in the world right now. That is That's a, unbelievable. absolutely one of the biggest petty things. All right, coming up. There he is. <laughs> he is he is uh, running in the front of the petty train without question. This guy, right? Like he's conducting Russell Westbrook's train. Like he's driving it. <laughs> I can't believe this, man. <laughs> Two hundred like twelve thousand one hundred dollars of of different trademark names just to just to stick it to Dan Snyder. Wow. Fantastic. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, coming up next, uh, oh, we got something for Tales from the Hood that you're going to love. Uh, it, it concerns Jim Boylan. We want to ask you, where is Jim Boylan? And we will uh, explain that next right here on UTH. ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. We're going to hear from Sal Palantonio uh, in our next segment and getting his thoughts on some of the storylines around the NFL. All right, Eric. So a very special Tales from the Hood, as always, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. So we were going to talk about the Bulls, but I can't talk about the Bulls because I can't get past what we're going to hear right now. So Jim Boylan, the head coach of the Bulls, was talking about Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. And even though he's talking about this, there's something in the background that I just can't get over. Well, I've got a new vice president, a new general manager. Um, the relationship has gone really well. Um, we communicate every day. Uh, I think they understand where we were, what we're trying to get to. They've been very supportive. Um, and uh, collaborative, you know. It's a process yeah. to, to build this team into what it can be. Um, and uh, I just like the fact that uh, we have a relationship already. You know, it's never perfect, Jack. You know, nothing's perfect, right? And you just work at it and you tell the truth and you get your guys to play hard, and, and that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know what he said because I'm listening to Young MC Bust a Move. What is that? <laughs> I, I heard like three words and then all of a sudden I'm just completely listening. And then and then we get the, the uh, whoever the announcer. Oh no, coming back to the stage. <laughs> what in the world, man? Like, I don't know what he was talking about because I was just so keyed in on why is Boylan talking and bust a move with young MC lame as young MC in the background. <laughs> now here's the thing. Like I'm trying to figure out where he was. You don't have a, a location, right? You don't know where, where you got that sound, where he was. I have no idea. No, I do not have a tag to it. 
Okay, there's no tech. So we have to determine where was Boylan where young MC from 88 is playing in the background. And, and he's not in, like, the, the bubble. The Bulls are not part of this 22 teams in the bubble in the NBA. So, okay. So my first inclination, when you hear bust a move and a mic, a guy on the mic, Coming to the stage. <laughs> I'm thinking strip club. Right. It's some low grade strip club with bust a move on. <laughs> so like that's, what it what, that was, that's an option. Okay, what do you have? What do you think Boylan was? Because that wasn't around basketball. That was someplace. Where where do you think Boylan was where where um in the city uh, ladies look pretty, guys tell jokes <laughs> that, that can seem witty. Tell a funny joke to get some play, then try to make a move that she says no way. What do you think that was? Boy, so many options. I, I think he might have been at your local TGI Fridays doing the 80s uh, music trivia night. So I think it was at his music trivia. <laughs> what the blank was that? Like, what in the... What? Like, out of all things, like, it, as we were talking about this before, yes, there are some NBA cities, including the United Center, that will play lame music, right? During the timeouts, you know, like, between... Half, you know, but... I don't know where he was, where that was. So, so okay. So, I, I like TGI Fridays, <laughs> strip club. I'm going barbecue in Deerfield. Yes, a very white barbecue at that too. By the way, yes. I'm, going, yes. I'm, I'm going paid DJ. That's supposed to be the hottest thing on the out there, and they're going. Okay, you know what? I got my playlist. I'm ready to go. Some guy. Some clown with a gold chain is just like your best friend Harry has a brother Larry in five days he's not gonna marry but that, that's what I want that's what I think I'm thinking a barbecue in Deerfield where dude is put bringing bust a move as far as his playlist like a really bad bar mitzvah in Deerfield I can <laughs> yes. see it I can see it he could be he could be at a local roller rink I ah. with the cosmic, the lights go in, and then they, yeah. they announce, and now couple skate, everybody. <laughs> Put your right foot in, all of a sudden in the roller rink. <laughs> I like that. All right. Roller <laughs> rink, yes. All right, I'll write it down. Roller rink. Where was Jim Boylan? Uh, I'm going to say uh, Young MC found himself a gig at a lame casino where he was the headliner, uh, where he was the number one person on the on the card, and people came to Smallville, Missouri, to see Young MC, to uh, no fine girls, just ugly faces, from frustration, first inclination. <laughs> so bad. It's one of those casinos where they don't have the digital slots yet. It's still <laughs> just the pole slots and ashtrays, as far as you can see. She's dressed in yellow. She says, she says hello. Come sit next to me, you fine fellow. <laughs> you run over there without a second to lose. And what comes next? Hey, bust a move. God, there you go. It sounds so like bad. anything. Like, he could be at like a, a seven-year-old's birthday party playing just jock jams. Like, I don't even know where he is, but it's unbelievable. <laughs> Please give, give me one more spin of where is Jim Boylan, where that is playing in the background. Well, I've got a new vice president, a new general manager. Um, the relationship has gone really well. Um, we communicate every day. Uh, I think they understand where we were, what we're trying to get to. They've been very supportive uh, and uh, collaborative. You know, it's a process yeah, to, to build this team into what it can be. Um, and uh, I just like the fact that uh, we have a relationship already. 
you know, it's never perfect, Jack. You know, nothing's perfect, right? And you just work at it and you tell the truth and you get your guys to play hard and, and that's what we're trying to do. And my last choice, the United Center. That's where he was. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> the home of bad music during Bulls games. And that, my friends, is Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000. Where do you think Boyle was where young MC Bust a Move was out there? At ESPN 1000 on Twitter. Sal Pal next on UTH. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Don't forget the baseball show presented by Goose Island Beer Company comes your way tomorrow at 6 after Waddle and Sylvie right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, Jeff Dickerson and I got a chance to talk to Sal Palantonio about some of the storylines around the NFL Here's our conversation with the NFL Insider for ESPN. It was an eventful and complicated week, Jonathan, for Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, who apologized for a series of anti-Semitic Instagram posts over last weekend. Um, Jackson has tried to, it certainly seems like, make amends and learn from his mistakes, but he absolutely is still embroiled in some controversy in Philadelphia, and no one knows the Eagles better than our guy, ESPN's Sal Palantonio, who joins us now on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Sal Pal, hope you're doing well, my friend, uh, during these uncertain times. You know, this is Deshaun Jackson's second stint in Philadelphia. I'm sure you know him pretty well. Was he ever someone that up until this point was known to say anything or or post anything offensive that, that, that people – found out about over the years no not to my knowledge uh, he's a very popular player with uh within the team and, and and in this city for sure um we're very well liked very charitable does a lot in the community um and, and well liked in the locker room you know that's the reason why general manager howie roseman brought him back from washington at uh, such a late stage in his career they thought that he had plenty left as a player but uh, more important, you know, he is really somebody that's beloved in Philadelphia. So, Sal, because of this, is a big spotlight on him now because of the comments that were made and others against him, some that are backing him. What does that say for his future in Philadelphia? Well, you know, it's pretty clear from the statement from the Philadelphia Eagles and from Deshaun Jackson uh, that he has uh, accepted his punishment. Uh, they've come to a meeting of the minds about what transpired, and uh, he's uh, obviously apologized to the ownership and to the team. And now going forward, uh, he has to do the right thing. Uh, the Eagles expect him to be uh, much more learned about Jewish culture and Jewish history, get out into the community, speak to Jewish leaders, uh, perhaps go to the Holocaust Museum, uh, with Julian Edelman, he already spoke with a Holocaust survivor yesterday uh, via Zoom. Uh, so, you know, he, he's got to do and say the right things. You know, it's it's important to know the dynamics here. Not, not, mm-hmm. not only is Deshaun Jackson, you know, a, a well-liked member of the team in the community, but this doesn't really happen unless Jeffrey Lurie is the owner. You know, Jeffrey has shown that he is a really good-hearted 
a guy, a guy with a good soul who believes in second chances. All you got to do is ask Michael Vick and uh, Riley Cooper, who, of course, was caught on camera using a racial slur seven years ago. Cooper was sent home for four days for sensitivity training, but he wasn't suspended, and he was signed to an extension later by the team. So, you know, Lurie and Roseman are both very forgiving men. Uh, they want to make sure that, however, that Deshaun Jackson going forward says the right things, but also does the right things and owns up to the mistake that he made. It's a great point you make, Sal, about Riley Cooper talking with Sal Palantonio. Um, I don't seem to remember much after the initial fallout from Riley Cooper. I mean, that, that pretty much, you said he signed an extension, and that pretty much went away, didn't it? Well, I, I don't know whether it went away in the minds of a lot of the players, African-American players, for sure. It's hard to know. None of them really spoke publicly about it. Um, you know, Chip Kelly was the head coach of the team, and as soon as Doug Peterson became coach of the team, Riley Cooper was no longer on the team. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think it. I don't. I'm not going to engage in any kind of moral equivalency about either these two incidences. But I think it just speaks mainly to the forgiving nature of this owner. And he wants to make sure he has a measured response to things. He's not going to act, you know, from the hip. He's not going to act irrationally. He's a very thoughtful guy. Uh, He had a very long conversation with Deshaun Jackson on Tuesday for an hour in the late afternoon, and I was told that he was obviously very upset by what Jackson posted. Lurie, of course, is Jewish and um, is very close to the Jewish community in Philadelphia. You know, they had a really tough, honest conversation. Jackson, I'm told, was contrite. He was humble. He was extremely apologetic. And so they're all trying to move forward from this. That's, That's where they are. You know, Jackson's got a lot to prove, not only uh, in off the field, but on the field this year. He's 33 years old. He missed most of last year due to an injury. Uh, they they want they want him to be a productive member of this football team going forward, both as a person and as a player. Sal, jumping in our conversation that Jeff and I had earlier regarding um, college football, we we're talking about uh, reading that. The Big Ten, Pac-12, they've decided to just go to just conference play uh, and get rid of the non-conference part of the schedule just to be in the area of their conference. Is there any word that you've heard or any contingency plans from the NFL as far as their scheduling for the regular season while COVID-19 is happening? Well, you know, this is a very um, active negotiation going on between the NFL Players Association and the NFL. There are number of issues that they are still discussing before training camps even open up uh, regarding protocol. Daily testing versus testing that happens on maybe an every three-day period. Um, The players want an acclimation period um, that would phase in players physically because there wasn't much of an off-season program. 
The players, according to some reports, don't want any preseason. The NFL wants two preseason games. You know, the NFL makes a lot of money off preseason because they don't have to pay players game checks. That's 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 a windfall of cash for them, and they don't want to give up those two, uh, all four preseason games. Uh, they may have to, however. Uh, there's there's some other issues about that economics that are unresolved. The the, the NFL wants a certain amount of the player salaries put into escrow. And you've seen some of the comments that have made and players have made it said, Hey, listen, uh, I'm going to be on the front lines here. I should be getting a pay raise, not a cut in pay. Uh, so, so we're, we're talking like in two weekends, players are going to start showing up to their facilities to get ready for the start of training camp. And they've got a lot of unresolved issues. Uh-oh, I mean, normally, Sal, we, we have that schedule already a month ago. We know yeah. the practices. We know everything, the, the yeah. preseason game. I mean, and, and now we're walking into this thing almost blind. And I know that, that this is a very fluid subject, and we live in a time of complete uncertainty. But just based on the people you talk to around mm-hmm. the NFL, are, are mm-hmm. you still optimistic that, that football will be played sort of as normal this fall in the NFL? You know, I don't, I'm never in the prediction business. I don't want to say optimistic or not optimistic. I think there are unresolved issues, but there are really smart people involved in the negotiations from both sides. DeMar Smith is a very smart advocate for his players. Troy Vincent, former player, former Philadelphia Eagle, know him very well, grew up uh, right near where I live, uh, and uh, others at the NFL are, you know, understand what has to be done to make the players whole in a situation like this. And I think everybody involved wants to see it happen and try to make it happen. The last thing they want to do is be the one league that doesn't give it a good try. Uh, You see baseball trying. Obviously, basketball has gone through a heck of a lot to try to create these bubbles. Uh, this bubble down in Orlando just to get some games started. NHL, all of them are soccer. So I I think they're going to get the issues resolved. I think what you're going to see with a, a, a very high level of certainty is that players will arrive at their facilities. Testing will begin. They will begin to have meetings, workouts, and then, of course, comes practice. 